Oh, so good to see you today. Please take your seats. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17, it says a really simple phrase. It says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And then it defines what the sword of the Spirit is, which is the Word of God. Now, many of you are going to be saying, oh, okay, the Word of God, that which I hold in my hands. But actually, today, we're going to learn something that it uses a particular word for the Word of God, which means it's a specific Word of God to you. You know, it's important that we take a step back in our discussion of spiritual warfare. We've been talking about it for a few weeks, and particularly the reason why I want to just take a a step back, because the sword that it's talking about this week is a Greek word called uh, makaira, suggesting that it's the short sword, it's the more personal sword, and... um, It's the sword that is the short Roman sword that was used in close personal combat. The word of God, the spirit sword, is for the up-close and personal battles that we have. Because this combat is so personal, and because... It involves our private thoughts and our private decisions. It's really important that we ask ourselves a very important question. In emphasizing this this spiritual warfare, are we just kind of spiritualizing the normal problems that come in our normal workplace, in our normal lives, instead of just working through our problems, are we emphasizing this spiritual warfare so that we can do a quick prayer and escape from our problems and not really change or become the person we're supposed to come? You see, if we use spiritual warfare as an excuse just to pray a few prayers, to quickly dispel our troubles so that we can quickly get on with our lives with no change, with no learning, with no differences, then we just get into quick fixes and actually it won't work. Uh, Say the scripture with me. These are the words of Jesus. Here's a prophecy of Jesus. It's in John chapter 16, verse 33. Say it with me. In this world, you will have trouble. Hang on. Not all of you wanted to say the second bit. You will have trouble, says Jesus. Written it, you don't have to repeat that bit. Written in red. What about the second half of the verse though? But take heart. Let's all say it together. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Now you're going to have some normal trouble and your life is going to be a mix of world-based trouble and spiritual warfare. And we, we may have to understand the way that God leads us. We often want to describe our lives as Jesus in the driving seat. And you know, that's a good 
It's a good way of, of describing our lives. It's a surrender message. Get your hands off the wheel and let Jesus drive. You know, I love Carrie Underwood, don't you? A blonde-haired uh, country and western singer, you know. Jesus, take the wheel. All right, it's my favorite song, even if you don't like it. It's a great song. And I get all of that type of teaching. But actually, you know the way that it really is? Really, and, and sometimes we do have to take our hands off the wheel and let Jesus drive through a, a difficult moment. But you know the way it really works? Is that Jesus puts his hand on your shoulder while you place your hand on the tiller of where you're going and he directs you. You're directing your life, but you're listening to the voice and obeying the hand of Jesus. That's probably more of an accurate picture rather than you just thinking, oh, he drives it for me. There are times, of course, in moments of deep surrender that you feel that God does take over. But often, and and actually most of the time, all of the time, it's a partnership. It's a walk with him. Spiritual warfare is when processes and struggles take place where we don't follow the suggestions of Satan and we don't bow to his pressures, but instead we choose to fashion our lives after Christ. We choose to follow more of him and more of his ways. So spiritual warfare is about when the enemy inspires some pressures, inspires some choices, inspires some wrong decisions, inspires some struggles, you don't bow to it. You use the right weapons to say, no, that's not the direction. And actually, my life is going to be different. Actually, what Satan does is he tries to get into your thinking. Satan has a basic strategy. And it's to try and deceive and influence your mind. And he'll say it over and over again. In 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, Paul said this, But I am afraid that uh, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from the sincere devotion that you have in Christ. This is exactly what spiritual warfare is. It's a battle in the mind to make the wrong choice. It's a battle in the mind to go the wrong direction. It's a delusion that says this way, not God's way, is better for you. Here's Satan's strategy. He says, first of all, don't trust He wants you not to trust God. Do you remember what he said to Eve? What he said is, did God really say? And he's trying to get you not to trust in what God says. Think about Jesus. Jesus is just been told in the baptism scene, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He's just been told that, openly spoken over him. The very next episode, Satan says to Jesus, if you are the son of God, really? Is that who you think you are? Satan always gets you to mistrust 
mistrust the word. Is that what really God says? Is that what he really means? And then he blatantly goes on and says things that are not true. With Eve, he said to her, you won't die. He actually spoke a non-truth over her life. He said, God said that, you'll surely die if you eat this fruit. He said, no, you won't die. And actually, that day they died a thousand deaths. They died the most important death they could ever die and had separation away from God. You see, what, what Satan does is get you to choose that which is not true. And then what he does is he wants you to choose you, not God. What, what Satan said to Eve in the garden was, is you will be like God's. You will be like, you will be, you won't need God because you'll be like God. And actually, they were choosing for themselves. Listen to me, any choice which, which fossilizes your self-orientation, any choice that says, keeps, that doesn't make you soft to God is not the right choice. So begin to move in your orientation towards choosing what God wants. It's very interesting that Satan seems to have a conversation with Eve. Now, I believe that Adam was there, but there seems to be a dialogue with her. And one of the things I've noticed, one of the things that's important for all of us to uh, key into is that what Satan wants you to do is to get isolated and to be on your own and to be in your own thoughts and to be in your own mind. So uh, what, what I'd like to say to you is this. Most pastors are going to say, listen, please come along, come along. And the, the kind of inferences is, oh, we really need you to be with us. And, and, and we do. But actually, why the reason why we're saying it is this. When you're isolated and when you're on your own, the enemy can suggest things that you wouldn't receive if you were in relationship and connected. That's how God works. Did you notice something? Even though the Spirit sent Jesus into the wilderness, it was there where Satan took the opportunity to tempt him. In that isolated space. So you know what? Join in. Because one of Satan's strategies is to isolate you. That's why the Bible calls us a body. That's why he calls us connected. That's why he calls us uh, as parts of the body. Because the whole illustration is as a, as a connected person. Satan's strategy also is to get you to act urgently. Eve, bite the fruit now. Jesus, if you are the Son of God, jump Act urgently. Act now. And all through this week, I've been in a brilliant conference this week, but when I've had my resting moments, I've, I've kind of had this thought that I'd be saying this, this Sunday to you as, as my lovely uh, church. Some of you have got choices that you're about to make. Some of you have got things that you want to do. And, and you're being urged to do it straight away. And I want to say to you in the Lord, wait. Because acting urgently can often bring you to a place of danger. It's Satan's strategy. Jump. 
And then what Satan does is he sets a trap. In the book of James, when it says that sin entices us away, it talks about a bait being set and a trap being set. And what I mean by this is, and what he did with Eve was, he said, just bite this fruit. This fruit will bring you uh, all the knowledge you need, all the, li- all the life that you need. And what a trap is, spiritually, is it promises you something that you cannot, that w- it will not deliver. It promises you what you can't receive from that thing. So it, it's like a trap that says, here's a promise, but actually what I'm promising, it can't be delivered through this thing that I'm promising it with. So that apple or whatever it was, I tend to think it was a lemon, uh, you know, that Eve bit into, it did not bring her life. That was the trap. Satan will always say, if you do this, then this will happen. And actually, that thing which can happen won't happen. The wolf is a very dangerous animal. It can see you hundreds of yards away. In fact, if you translate the eyesight of a snow wolf to a human, you could read a newspaper at 150 yards away. That wolf can smell you two miles away. It's a very difficult animal to hunt down, and yet it's very dangerous. For an Eskimo, it can take out the huskies, It can take out the livelihood. It can steal children. It's a really dangerous thing. The Eskimos have devised a way of how they can kill it and hunt it down. What they do is they kill a seal. And actually, sometimes they even nick some of their own blood. And they put the blade of the seal's blood, cover the blade with the seal's blood on it, and they put it on there, and they let it freeze. Then they put some more on and let it freeze. They put some more on and let it freeze until it builds up almost to a, can I say, a a lollipop of blood. Happy Sunday morning. And And they place that lollipop in the snow pointing upwards and the wolf smells it from many miles away and then they clear off. And what the wolf does is he licks that blood and he thinks, oh, this is nice. And he licks it and licks it until it... And because it's frozen, it freezes the wolf's tongue. So after a while, he's licking away and he can't feel what's going on. And eventually, he licks all the blood away until he gets to the knife and slashes his tongue. And then he begins to lick it even more because it's his own blood that he's starting drinking. And he doesn't realize that until he bleeds out and dies. Great story for a Sunday morning, isn't it? Hope you're not having beef, rare beef for your your dinner. It's a trap. It's a trap. And some of us here have started licking at something and we've done it a couple of times and it's not, we don't think it's hurt us and we think we've got away with it and we've done it and we've done it and we've done it and we've done it and eventually it will kill you. Because you're licking at things and you're trying things that are promising you something that won't deliver. That's the trap. So today, when we talk about the sword of the Spirit, 
The sword of the Spirit is God's personal word to us in any situation. It's powerful against any of these deceptions. But we must learn to be open to it and use it. So the first thing I want you to notice that this weapon is that it's not just describing your Bible. For years we've been said, oh, take up your sword. Actually, your Bible in its entirety is not what the writer means here when he says the sword of the Spirit. This is my Bible. What's being described here is the sword which belongs to the Spirit. It's the Spirit's sword. It's not your sword. It's the Spirit's sword. It's that word that the Spirit wants to use at that time in order to change something in your life, to remove something in your life, or to expose a delusion of Satan in your life. It means it's the Word of God that the Spirit uses in a situation. And we have to be ready and open to partner with the Spirit in order for Him to bring a particular Word into our minds. So partnering with the Spirit, being open to the Spirit, is really important. If you want to really use the Spirit's sword, it would be good for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not to be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but being filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. See, so being open to the Spirit and saying, well, not saying, well, this is just me. Actually, as you open up your life and begin to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, I'm open to you. Then he can put a word in your heart. You see... The Spirit sword is not just your knowledge of the Bible either. It's that particular word that he wants to bring to your season and that word that you will act on and respond to, that's the real sword of the Spirit. Paul said this, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. The sword of the Spirit is that word that you will act upon and respond to. Not just your general Bible knowledge. So lesson number one, let's be open. Holy Spirit, do you want to speak to me? Do you want to place a word in my heart? Do you want to place a word in my mind? Holy Spirit, Do you want to say something to me? The sword of the Spirit is much more than the promise boxes that we have that offers a little bit of encouragement. But actually, when you read the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the word in the original is, which is the rhema of God. Or that word which pours forth and gives life. There are several words for words in the Greek. And this word, rhema, means that sharp word, that directed word from God, that word from his very mouth that he wants you to really pay attention to at that moment. So let's take up that word that God is saying now. 
See, the picture of Jesus in Revelation is of a picture of him with a sword coming out of his mouth. And it's this short sword. It's this sword where it's a very directed word. This word is trustworthy. It's a word where you have to say, well, God, if that's what you're saying, this is targeted truth into my life. It's so targeted that, that what you're saying is that I need to trust this. In fact, Hebrews says it like this. The word of God, and it uses this word, the rhema of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul, spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of heart. And that's what the spirit sword does. He says, You've been thinking this. Let me now give you this word. You've been, you've been having this attitude. Now I'm going to cut this down. It begins to say, and this is the word that I've been feeling all week. It begins to say, look at some of the choices you've been making. Let me now direct your choices. It's almost like that you hold the the Bible in your hands, but the Spirit directs it towards the attitudes that you're supposed to have. So lesson number two, trust it. Begin to trust that Spirit word into your life. And now that Spirit word might be a prophecy, that Spirit word might be actually a message that you hear, but more than likely than anything else, it will be a word from the Scripture where God gives you something that you have to say, you know what, that was for me. Kathy, just come on up here just for a moment. Let me just show you how, how this kind of works. Now, the short sword, it's not like my long sword here. Kathy, if you just hold that, you've got your, your Bible in your hands and the Holy Spirit envelops you and is in you and he directs where those attitudes should go and what God wants to cut down, to raise up in your life. You do realise at any moment Kathy can go, oof. So please don't think that I'm just too strong for my wife. Trust it. He wants to use it. See, it's that definitive, define utterance of the word of God, that rhema word of God. This is not just scripture generally. But it's that particular word that you need. Do you remember Jesus said to his disciples, when you are called before a council, the Holy Spirit will give you what to say. You need to begin to be open and say, well, God, what are you saying? You see, this type of preaching is, most pastors are going to say, read the Bible, just memorize it. I'm going to say that. But actually, you need to partner with it and begin to hear it Challenging your attitudes, challenging your choices, saying, God, is this really what you're saying to me? You see, because the word of God in the spirit sword is very specific. Can I ask you, when was the last time in reading your Bible that God really spoke to you specifically? Now, please don't get me wrong. 
In fact, I'm going to ask you to store up that word in your heart in a moment. Because it's important that you do store it up up there. In fact, let me say it now, that you have to store up the word in your life so that when you get into situations, you've got ammunition for the Spirit to use. Do you remember what the psalmist said? He said, your word have I hidden in my heart so I might not sin against you. Jesus knew the word, didn't he, when he was in the wilderness? When he was in the wilderness, he didn't run to get a scroll and say, oh, let me just have a look to see what I can say against the enemy. He had it in his mind, he had it in his heart, and he said, it's written. The Spirit could use that which he knew. So it's really important that you build up a store. Something that struck me this week. Have you ever noticed that the people on the day of Pentecost, when Peter spoke to them, Those people had heard Jesus speak and they rejected him. But Peter, using Joel chapter 2, then Psalm 110 and Psalm 16, he used that which was stored up. And the Bible says, as the Holy Spirit, it cut him and cut the crowd to the heart. That's what the Lord wants to do with you. He wants you to have such a store of the Spirit that he uses it to slash away at some of the choices that have been put before you. Store it up. I wonder what words you need today. Somebody here feeling really low. might have even said this in your mind. I'm like a worm. Do you know that Isaiah 41 verse 14 says, Do not be afraid, you worm. You Jacob, you little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord. If you've been feeling that nobody cares about you and you've been feeling so low that you'd even say, I'm like a worm. Actually, the great God of the universe, the most powerful person in the universe, where the worm is such a weak person, the great God of the universe says, I want to help you. If you're like me, I often feel unqualified. I feel unfinished. I feel incomplete, don't you? But Colossians 2 verse 10 says, In Christ, you've been brought to fullness, and he's the head over every power and authority. Christ says to me, you have fullness, Mark. Even though you're incomplete, even though you feel unqualified, you've got fullness. What word do you need today? I'm not talking about odd promise box words or half a, half a verse that, that kind of confirms what you were going to do anyway. I'm talking about a heart open for the Holy Spirit to give you the hardest word possible. And that you to say, yeah, Lord, that's what you've done. You see, the sword of the Spirit is the specific truth that God applies in your specific situation. And to use it, you have to be ready to obey it and to act on it. You see, just one slash isn't going to do it. Just one kind of quick use of the word in your life isn't going to 
repel that which Satan wants to bring against your life. If I was using this sword and I just went, that isn't going to finish somebody off. They're going to be hurt, but they're going to get patched up. Actually, what you need is to repeat it and receive it again and repeat it and receive it again and do it again and again and again and keep on until that stronghold falls. Come on, let's give the Lord praise. Natalie, perhaps you would come. Now, actually, that's not just a visual illustration. Let me prove it to you from the Scriptures. In, in the Bible, it says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And the word take up there, is in the Greek, is dekomai which means to receive that which is offered. So when it says, take up the sword of the Spirit, what the Scripture is saying is, I'm going to offer you something. I'm going to offer you a chance to get out of that choice. I'm going to do it with you, pal. I'm going to offer you a chance to change, and you've got to take it. I'm going to offer you a chance... And you've got to take it. That's what it means. He's going to drop words of the Spirit. I'm going to offer it to you. You've got to take it. And you've got to be willing to use it and obey it. Take up the the sword of the Spirit doesn't mean to say, grab your Bible and memorize it. It doesn't mean that. It means when I drop a specific word into your situation, take it. Trust it. Obey it. Let's all stand together, shall we? So today, you need to repeat and receive. Let's just hold our hands out to him. You need to repeat and receive. Are you in a situation where you need a word from God? Have you got some choices that you need to make? Don't just grab half a verse, but in prayer and in surrender, you say, Lord, speak to me. And God's going to begin to put verses from the scripture. He's going to use some prophecy. He's going to use some people. On on Wednesday night, he's going to drop some prophecy into your heart. you've got to be open and say Lord I will respond and obey to that word that's what taking up the sword of the spirit means if you have a choice
before you today. If you have some situation that you just want God to speak into, would you leave the seat where you're standing and we just want to pray with you at the front. We want to seal it in the spirit that you're giving that to God. Just leave the seat where you're standing right now and just say, God, I'm bringing you my choices. I'm asking you to speak to me. Is there anybody at all where you just say, yeah, I've got some situations that I need. Yeah, just come. You're saying, God, just use the sword of the Spirit on me. Because to you it'll be a kind word, a, a word with medicine and oil in it. And it'll be a, maybe a challenging word, but it may be something that just heals the direction of your life. Is anybody else, you're just facing a situation. In fact, if you're facing anything that you want prayer for, if you've got any sickness or anything, please come. We want to just pray with you. We want to share God's love to you. Can we all just say in prayer, let's just open our arms to Him and say, Lord, speak to me, Lord. Whatever you've got for me, I'll receive it. One slash isn't going to do it. You've got to marinate in the Word. You've got to have that Word in your mind. And you've got to keep receiving it until that choice becomes clear. Holy Spirit, would you just minister to these people? I just want to ask all the pastors and the elders... just a prayer team if you just come and just stand next to these folks if you've got some pastors and some elders perhaps you could come and help us to pray maybe some of the prayer team will come but let's all just worship together shall we